Mother Nature. Enough of screwing with baseball. It was nice, though, for the Brewers. It was a lot of baseball yesterday and a lot of waiting around, but uh, you could argue that it was worth it as the Milwaukee Brewers got their doubleheader in. And in the first game, they have a nice little victory by the score of 4-2, to two, clinching the season series against the Chicago Cubs. Oh, by the way, it's just uh, August 10th when it happened. And then in the second game, rain, tisk 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 made uh, the, the the second start for Aaron Ashby. A poor guy can't get a normal start under his belt, but the Brewers would find a way to win, sweeping the doubleheader 6-3 to three over the Chicago Cubs. Rowdy, good morning. We need to open up the floodgates and just piling on the idiot that is Dave from Monona, the Cubs wonk himself, who we'll have some time to talk about it today, but I wanted to open the floodgates of listener on, no, listeners on listener violence. As Dave bet just about everyone with a pulse that was a Brewers fan that the that the Cubs would first, I think it was have a better record, and then he kind of pivoted and said, "No, no, I didn't say that. I said who would have a better heads up, uh, you know, series, uh, season series." Well, the Brewers, no matter what, got both of those. Rowdy, good morning. How's it feel to win your bet against Dave from Monona? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, and we got it done pretty easy too, especially when in the first uh, fourteen <laughs> games of the season between the Cubs and the Brewers, the Brewers won eleven of them. Eleven to three, right now, the Brewers reign supreme over the Chicago Cubs. Before we dive into it, Rowdy, I just want to play this for the Cubs. Uh, who I know are listening, and uh, everyone involved in the organization. They're singing no Cubs, no, no Cubs, no. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The L is flying, how's a day? Oh, that just felt good, Rowdy. How's it feel, man? This, this, the, the Cubs are just imploding. They are a shell of themselves. They are nothing. The Brewers continue to be one of the best teams in Major League Baseball and just reign supreme over the Cubs. How's it feel, Rowdy? Because for me, it feels good. Yeah, I think it, well, one, it feels good, obviously, but mm. two, doesn't it feel weird watching the Chicago Cubs game, not seeing Anthony Rizzo, not seeing Chris Bryant, <laughs> not seeing Javi Baez? Did I see Wilson Contreras get beamed in the first game, though? You did. <laughs> But yes, to your but point, hey, it does feel weird. He didn't put up a big stink. No, he really didn't. It does feel well. I mean, the the Cubs aren't putting up anything anymore, Rowdy. So he's just like, yeah, I'll just take first base. But yeah, it, it seems very weird not to have, have any a, of these guys. You have a bunch of nobodies. Hell, this guy here is uh is dead. Like when they put out one just of their lineups, the list. Then I looked at it, and when you're not talking about prospects and guys that they just traded for, but actual guys that have played meaningful big league big league time that have meaningful big league service yeah you know like three or four guys on that on that uh, starting lineup yeah hey they don't ask how they just ask how many though and the brewers now for how many in the season series 11 (laughs) 11 to 3 uh let's go game one man freddie peralta a little dazzling on the mound uh got out of a tough jam uh what bases loaded was that how inning was that uh freddie peralta had the bases loaded got out of the jam though uh, was it uh, Devin Williams came in, right? Was Devin Williams the closer there? Yeah, Devin Williams game? closed game one after Boxberger came in. Yeah, so Freddie Peralta went five and one-thirds. Uh, he he was great, as always. And it was uh, nice to see Willie Adamas, dude. Is Willie Adamas... I, I briefly asked the question to Andrew Wagner from Forbes.com, who joins us uh, to talk some crew. I had briefly asked the question. Uh, I preempted it saying, no player... Whoever had been traded midseason has ever won this award. But could you truly make the case that Willie Adamas could be MVP uh, in the NL? Because that dude, what, 21st home run yesterday in the first game, Willie Adamas, ever since coming to the Milwaukee Brewers, has been absolutely dynamic, yeah, a dynamo. Going into that uh, two games against the Cubs last night, as a Milwaukee Brewer in 67 games, he has 15 home runs, 45 RBIs. He's got a batting average at 293 and on base percentage at 376. He's slugging 554, which uh, his OPS is 930. Oof. The average OPS, I think, this year that I saw was like 740. <laughs> Willie Adamas is an Adonis. This dude rules. How sick was that? What was uh, Willie Adamas? And then was it Avi right after him? Garcia just knocked one on Donger out too? Was it back-to-back? 
I'm trying to remember. I was at the no, gym watching it. Willie Adamas got on, then Escobar got on, or Willie Adamas went yard. Yeah, then Escobar, Escobar got, got on, on, then Garcia then hit Then Avi hit a donger uh, at Wrigley Field, which is awesome to see. What a game. That first game was nice, man, because, you know, I, Rowdy had called it yesterday. Well, actually, two days ago, Rowdy called it. He said the first game that the Brewers play against the Cubs, we will have the season series bet uh, done. Uh, the Brewers will officially have locked it up. Well, it rained. We had to wait a day. And then Rowdy called it again, and my God, they did it four to two over the Chicago Cubs. How many people at the beginning of the season in early April, if someone came up to you just randomly on the street and told you Willie Adamas is going to be four times more valuable than Christian Yelich this year, and he's actually going to lead your team to the playoffs? I think most people would say one, you're kidding. Two, who's Willie Adamas? And three, what are you smoking? Can I have some? <laughs> You're right, Rowdy. No one ever would have thought. Is Christian Yelich, does this dude even have a pulse? Let's not even forget when they originally made the trade. A lot of people didn't like the trade. No, a lot of people were very upset with it. Because they gave up J.P. Fireisen, who was pitching really well, and they picked up Drew, or they they shipped off Drew Rasmussen, who was pitching all right and was a guy that was younger that a lot of people had some hopes for in the future. Yeah, a lot of people were like, well, what the hell is going on with this? What's happening? And then everyone was mad, you know, and guess what? It's really played out nicely, Rowdy. Yeah, Willie Adamas is worth right now three more wins when it comes to war over Christian Yelich. Mm. War, what is it good for? Well, absolutely everything for Willie Adamas because he is bringing it for the Milwaukee Brewers. Rowdy, real quick on Yelly, because you brought, you brought it up, right? Like if, if people were to tell you that you bring in Willie Adamas and Yelich would be a nobody, like what are you smoking? Christian Yelich in the first game against the Cubs was used as a pinch hitter. Didn't do anything, struck out. And then Rowdy, Yelly batting leadoff in the second game of the doubleheader and a big, I mean, he had an RBI. Uh, what, he had a little like blooper to the outfield kind of? No. Or was it no. an infield? What was it? It was his his RBI was so a out? weak grounder back to the pitcher that went off the pitcher's hand. Oh, and, well, I think it scored Jackie Bradley Jr.? Whatever it was, he had an RBI. But he was four four at-bats, Rowdy, and nothing besides that RBI. What batting leadoff for Christian Yelich? Shouldn't he be batting now, like, I don't know, seventh? Where would you stick Yelly in the lineup and besides the bench? Yeah, RJ and I were talking about this over the weekend. I just, with how this team's swinging the bat and acquiring Escobar and how, how Telez is swinging the bat, I just don't see how you can have him in the top six in your lineup. He he has to go seven right in front of Bradley Jr. It, it, Christian Yelich is awful. nowhere else to put him. He went 0 for 4 last night. Well, technically 0 for 5 between the two games. Yeah, because he pitched yes, the game before. he had that RBI, but that was some weak contact that luckily was the luck. pitcher was, was not able to field, and he just does not look good up there. He, what is what is up with Christian Yelich? He's now batting two twenty six. Two twenty six uh, is that's uh, that's one of the worst averages on the team outside of Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, let's look at the averages here. Yelly two twenty six. Willie Adamas two sixty four. He's an Adonis, like I said. Omar Narvaez is two eighty three. Uh, Eduardo Escobar two fifty three. Rowdy Telez two forty five. Luis Urias two thirty nine. Uh, Jace Peterson's betting 230, and then here's your guy, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, 177, but he's raised his average. And uh, who else got in? Tyrone Taylor's betting 230. Christian Yelich, Rowdy. The contract hasn't even kicked in yet, has it? Starts next year. Oh, my God. Do you have any faith in Christian Yelich to turn it around and get his head out of his butt? I mean, if right now, if you're a Milwaukee Brewer fan, if if he doesn't snap out of it starting next year, I don't know what to tell you. Because he didn't, he he stunk last year. Is his numbers? His numbers are, are they the same? Are they worse than last year? I mean, doesn't I guess it doesn't really matter because he stinks. They're pretty. They're pretty similar. That's bad. Well, at least we have a guy named Willie Adamas, uh, who literally is just beasting out for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I want to talk you know more Willie Adamas later today, Rowdy. Like, can you? I saw people making the case that he could and should be. The NL MVP, and then there's this rowdy with Jacob Degrom. As I was listening to the television broadcast or the radio broadcast, excuse me, uh, yesterday uh, for Game One, 
Jacob DeGrom is no longer eligible for a Cy Young, correct? Like, injuries has taken him out of that race. Like, he's not eligible, right? Yeah, and now they were hoping at the, the quickest to get him back in mid-August, which we're getting pretty close to mid-August, and I haven't heard anything about him. Yeah, so Jacob DeGrom is no longer in contention. Uh, the radio broadcast was talking a lot about Brandon Woodruff. Like, Brandon Woodruff, you know, in you know could sneak in and win that uh, NL Cy Young. Well, here's the thing, though. The guy who was on the mound for the first game in the doubleheader he has got numbers in some categories better than Brandon Woodruff, and he could actually be the Cy Young Award winner as well. He goes by the name of Freddie Peralta. Rowdy, we're talking about a guy who could be MVP in Willie Adamas. We're talking about two Cy Young candidates, and you could say a third in Corbin Burns, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, how about the guy that uh, pitches tonight? Yeah, Corbin Burns. Look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, again, Rowdy, what did you say just like five minutes ago? If I were to tell you what at the beginning of the season? That Willie Adamas would be your most valuable player and, and worth almost four times as much as what Christian Yelich is. Who was a former MVP, should have won it twice, right? And then throw on the fact that you have potential three Cy Young candidates, not potentially, you have three Cy Young candidates and one of the best closers I in the game. I think you could Josh also Hader argue comes that COVID. Josh Hader would be in that uh, mix for Cy Young candidates, yep. even as a closer. Obviously not a not a uh, – as high as Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta would be on that list, but I bet I bet if you look through the Cy Young list, Hater would be in the top fifteen. It's crazy what we're talking about right now. As the Brewers are what now seven games above the Reds in the NL Central. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? Oh, wrong button. Sorry. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? Hey, morning, guys. Kyle. Kyle, what's up, dude? Good morning. Hey, morning. Uh, yeah, I just want to say the biggest surprise for me this season actually has been Freddie Peralta. I mean, this stuff is nasty. I mean, he looks really good. His command is great, and I just I love the kid, man. He's he just got he's got great upside. Dude, Kyle, Freddie Peralta is dazzling on the mound, and he signed that nice little uh, team friendly contract with the crew. He's going to be here for a while. Yeah, that's a good thing, man. I hope he uh, he continues to just uh, pave the road and uh, keep on trucking. Um, and yeah, man, Yelich, I my heart goes out to the guy. I don't know what the hell his problem is. I don't know if anybody does. He's just he's gotta get something going here. Yeah, I don't know what it is either, man. I don't I don't think he knows what it is. It's it's brutal though. It's bad. But Kyle, let me ask you about the good stuff though. How's I personally just can't stand the Chicago Cubs. I know Nelly's kinda there too. How's it feel that the Brewers have locked up supremacy for the season against the Cubs as the Cubs are just cratering out? You know, I love it, but I can already hear the excuses from all them sad Cub fans that the <laughs> Brewers aren't as good as what they say they are. Uh, all right, boys. Speaking of peaking, uh, Wisconsin. Duck? What? Oh, Charlie's good at cooking. Well, he's not good at it. He always duck. burns it, actually. Yeah. Uh, speaking of peaking, uh, I don't know if they've. The Badgers get a lot of running backs that peak during their time and then have fizzled out sometimes the NFL. Well, not so much now, right? Just kind of changing a little bit. Uh, but let's go specifically for Wisconsin football. I saw this from the Big Ten Network, and I wanted to get you guys' uh, discussion on it. I think I'm going to do a Twitter poll out of it as well. So the Big Ten Network yesterday had a a graphic. It says, who's your RB1? Who is your top running back? Who's the running back you would choose? And it was all out of Wisconsin because Wisconsin a Big Ten network. So I'm going to do a Twitter poll out of it, and I want to discuss it as well. Uh, who is your RB1? They give you four of them. From, let's see here, from 2009 to 2012, they go Monte Ball. To 2010 to 2013, James White. To 2011 to 2014, Melvin Gordon. Or 2017 to 2019, Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to make a Twitter poll out of this. If you could have one, and he is your bell cow, your number one, the guy that you want to uh, tote the rock with, who is your RB1? Melvin Gordon, Monte Ball, James White, or Jonathan Taylor? So we're just stopping in the past 10 yep. years? Yep, at least four. I think that's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a two-horse race in my mind. Yeah. So you're right there with Rowdy? Two yeah, horse I'm race, pretty sure easy. we're thinking of the... Same two guys that. All right, all right. Here, I'm going to count to three, and you guys are going to say it the exact same time. I'm going to go one, two, three. Then once I say three, you guys say it the same time. Oh, man. Ready? One, two, three. Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Gordon and Jonathan and, yeah. Taylor. I thought you just wanted us to say the one we both. Oh, yes, this is the yeah, one. But those are the two. You both said Melvin? Well, he said both of the people I was thinking of. But Melvin's so your number one? I think Melvin is my number one. Jonathan Taylor would be my number one. Oh, so you guys are close, but you. But I could go either way. I go, man. I've been thinking. I was thinking about this a lot over the the night that was. I think I go, man. 
I think I go Melvin. I want to go Melvin Gordon just because. Uh, yep, get it out. But <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, statistically for the his three years at Wisconsin, was the greatest running back ever in college football. But Melvin Gordon, for some reason to me, there's something like special in my heart for Melvin Gordon. Not to say that Jonathan Taylor wasn't special in my heart, but Melvin Gordon to me, I like conjure up so many good it, memories. It does sound bad, but he was buried behind two other guys on that list. Right. So, Rowdy, you said uh, JT was your number one, Rowdy? Yep. Jonathan Taylor, number one for me. I think you can look at – well, you can kind of throw out James White, in my opinion, just because he never truly had the same statistical numbers as the other three. Yeah. I feel like they're bringing in uh, with James White his time with the Patriots. Like, like great player. No, no, he was good at Wisconsin. I know, I know he, he was, was good, but – I know he yeah. was, but he's he's got he just more notoriety as a Wisconsin running back – from you know his performance in the Super Bowl, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He should have been Super Bowl. Like I MVP think they're bringing and... up the Patriot memories and then saying, "Oh, Wisconsin." It's like, okay, I, I, I guess. Yeah, but well, he, was continue. A, he was a great, obviously, running back. But the thing with uh, James White is that he never was really the main featured back. Right. Like all the other three guys were the main featured back at least for one season in their career. James White kind of played second fiddle for most of his career, even though he was really good. Yeah. Uh, so he he obviously gets thrown down there to fourth for me, and then I would have to go with Monte Ball. Yeah, Monte Ball. In my opinion, they really never threw him the football much, but he still led the nation in touchdowns. Yeah, scored a lot of touchdowns, got a lot of uh, goal line touches. But then you look at the two clear cut top two to me, and yeah. it's Melvin Gordon and it's Jonathan Taylor. Not only because those two guys could basically do everything. Mm-hmm. But also, they had the most talent out of those four guys. They they purely had the most talent out of those four guys. Reason I would go with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Both guys had extremely good bursts and acceleration. I think Jonathan Taylor just had a better long distance speed than Melvin Gordon. And I think overall, when you look at his career, Jonathan Taylor showed that he had better hands than Melvin Gordon. And they they used him, especially in his last year with the Badgers, they used him a little bit more throwing him the ball of the backfield. Yeah. Now, Melvin Gordon can still catch the ball a little bit. I think Jonathan Taylor even catches it better. He statistically was one of the – no, he was the best college football player to ever play. In a three-year uh, span. In yeah. a three-year span at the running back position. And on top of that – he was the guy that pretty much for those three entire years took almost every snap. Yeah. Now Melvin Gordon was he the second we, most used running back in college football behind? AJ yeah, Dillon? him and him and AJ Dillon were like one and two in like every most used running back category that there yeah. was coming out in mm-hmm. that draft last year. But uh, Melvin Gordon, obviously, really, really good. But you have to remember when he was there, he was. Well, like you said, he was buried behind Monte Ball. James White was also on that roster. So he didn't consistently tote the rock as much as Jonathan Taylor did over that same time period. So I think Jonathan Taylor, you have better long distance speed. Both of their accelerations and their their uh, quickness are both really good. I think Jonathan Taylor has the better hands, and he was more durable for longer. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor. I, personally, I think uh, for all of the modern running backs, and when I say modern running backs, I'm talking like once they started using legitly plastic hard helmets that they do now, <laughs> yeah. I think Jonathan Taylor is the best running back they've ever had. Looking at uh, Zone Madison on Twitter, if you could only choose one running back to tote the rack, who would it be out of the four? Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, Monte Ball, James White. Not a single vote for Monte, not a single vote for James White so far. MG3. Most votes, though, going to Jonathan Taylor. Oh. Our sports director, Zach Halpern, came on and said he would go with uh, Melvin Gordon. That season he had where he rushed for 2,500 yards. Never seen anything like it before. 29 touchdowns. And that was with Gary Anderson's dumbass. Yeah, sat him for a whole quarter. Sat him, yeah, that happened, and Melvin Gordon also had to tell Gary Anderson that he's an idiot. Yeah, and you're to, playing the wrong quarterback. Please, well, for the love of the God, bench. play the all-time winningest, Joel Stave. Could you imagine having to deal with Gary Anderson still going out? It's like, F it. I'm just going to do it myself then and rush for 2,500 yards. Like <laughs> That's give, insane. Give me the ball. But then on Rowdy, who Rowdy voted for, Jonathan Taylor, number one, statistically in a three-year span, the the greatest running back of all time in three years. Yeah, I mean, 
you can't go wrong with either of those two, I think. You really can't. How come there's no votes for James White or Monte? Because they're not those two. Rowdy, is that just Here, did Rowdy want, just sum it up good? You want me to vote for one of them right no, now? No, I want you to vote for who you said. That was uh, MG3. Rowdy, should there be any votes for Monte or James White? Is it just, as RJ said, it's those two and because they're not those two? And Gordon and Taylor? Well, I think when we first started talking about it, it's clearly those two are the most talented, had some of the best numbers, whether you want to talk about a career or an individual season, and just the eye test. Those are by far the best two. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, so you, like I wasn't else, upset, yeah. though, when Monte Ball was scoring a bunch of touchdowns. No, neither was I. I'm just saying. Melvin I wasn't Gordon, upset either. Yeah, Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor, eye test, without even digging into any statistics or anything like that, just clearly the better two runners. Yeah, I don't think anyone's mad when uh, they go and rush for a, a tutty, but some guys just do it a little, I don't know, smoother, better, sexier, if you will. All right, something else that I wanted to bring up on Wisconsin football, it's um, the coaches poll is out, uh, top 25. <laughs> we had it in Ghana 60, and Rowdy made the comments like, yeah, we wait all this time just to have the same teams up there. Uh, number one, wrong. no surprise, Alabama. Two is Clemson. Three is Oklahoma. Four, Ohio State, and five is Georgia. Then if you go down the list a little bit, I'll give you the top ten. Notre Dame is – or Texas A&M is sixth. Notre Dame seventh, who Wisconsin will play at Soldier. Soldier. Uh, Eighth, Iowa State. North Carolina comes in at ninth. Cincinnati, tenth. Florida, eleventh. Oregon, twelfth. LSU, thirteenth. USC, fourteenth. And then your Wisconsin Badgers coming at fifteenth in the nation for the Coaches Bowl. So people are actively trying to keep the Big Ten down. Yeah, so Big Ten, you got uh, Ohio State's fourth. Wisconsin is then 15th. Indiana, 17th. Iowa, 18th. Penn State, 20th. And that's it. I mean, honestly, Penn State should not be ranked. It's it's just the name, right? Yeah. but It's the name and the, the, and the continued coach. recruiting. Off yeah. of last year, how do you rank they're that abysmal. team? They're abysmal. They were roster. horrible. They're bad. Oh, okay. I know this is this is all. Well, Alabama will be number one probably the entire year. Like the top th- two, three will probably stay the same for a long time. Wisconsin at fifteen though, fair, too high, too low. I think it's low. Yeah. I mean, you you base it off of a year where they only played seven games, went four and three, lost to some pretty good teams. Um, their offense, you are without your top two receivers. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's going to change think immediately. It's, it's 15's low. Yeah, Wisconsin I just don't. Knowledge. I just don't see how you can put USC ahead of them. No, I don't see how you can put LSU ahead of them. Nope. Um, well, USC. Name the last time USC was actually good. It's like 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, they the Reginald Bush Texas USC national championship game. When Reggie Bush did, when Reggie Bush didn't play for them, that was like 2007. They thought they were good when uh, when Three Sack Jack showed up. Yeah. Again, we keep talking about three 2007. Sack, That's a snack lunch. No, 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 that was no, no, no. I'm saying yeah, no, the last yeah, time right. USC was, was good, good was 2007. Yeah, yeah. When Reggie Bush didn't play for them. Wink, wink. Um, name a name a time where LSU has ever lived up to expectations outside of their national championship. They always recruit great great guys. They yeah. always have good defenses, but what are they always missing? It's the quarterback. And I think uh we saw that once again last year, once Joe Burrow moved on. Yep. They didn't have a quarterback and offensively Tigers. they're Boy, challenged. I don't see how LSU can be ranked ahead of Wisconsin. Basically, USC and LSU, the only thing you can say is that they consistently recruit better than Wisconsin. Go Tigers. Uh, It's hard for me to say that Florida is that much better than Wisconsin. Again, it just comes down to their recruiting classes because if Graham Mertz can be anything close to his Illinois and Michigan starts, Mm -hmm. well, Florida's replacing Kyle Trask, who was there for three years. Correct. And we also know that since Tim Tebow... Kyle Kyle Trask yes. was their best quarterback. Yes. And they haven't been able to find good quarterbacks, and it's always just their recruiting classes. Well, they're also replacing what's his face, the tight end, who is like their entire offense. Yeah. Um it well, how about even if you just look around in the top fifteen? Cincinnati, 
do we really believe that no. Cincinnati's for real? I know it's it's Luke Fickle is the head yeah. coach, but they're a pretty good AAC team. They're a, they're a good they're a good non Power Five conference team. Yep, and they will well they never really play anyone. And I know that when they have played in bowl games, not not talking about last year, but I know when they have played in bowl games, they haven't done necessarily well in high profile bowl games. We have Notre Dame up there at number seven, who. Pretty much since Jack Cohn. 1990 has been oh, underwhelming. Right. Yeah. Now Jack Cohn is there, and it looks Jack like Cohn. he is going to be the starter. But, I mean, Iowa State. When has Iowa State, whenever they've been ranked, consistently lived up to what they were supposed to yeah, be? No, I, yeah. They've been hyped the last few years, and they've kind of underperformed. North Carolina's number nine on that list. Yeah, they have Howell, good quarterback. Mac Brown's ancient, but the defense sucks. <laughs> yeah, defense is not good. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean, then you got your you know, your list of usuals up there. I mean, Texas A and M. What's your, what's the vibe on A and M, Rowdy? Well, I mean, they're replacing Kellen Mond. Yeah. Now I'm a I'm a Jimbo Fisher believer. I think he's a really good coach, but. I mean, really good, really, really, really good. Outside of that top six, I mean, I think you could argue any of the teams in front of Wisconsin could be behind them. Like a ray of sunshine in my dark and dreary mm. life, our sports director, yes. God's gift to covering Wisconsin sports, Zach Heilprin. Zach, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are we doing today, brother? Fantastic. So, Zach, before we dive real into uh, Wisconsin football here, I stole, I didn't steal this, I borrowed the idea, and it's an idea that's been floating around for a while, but I just, uh, Big Ten Network put it out, who's your RB1? Obviously, and we had some listeners messaging, and well, where's Ron Dane, where's Ron Dane? Ron Dane goes without saying, so he's not on the list, but Zach, who is your RB1 for Wisconsin football? Melvin Gordon, Monte Ball, James White, or Jonathan Taylor? What would uh, Zach Heilpin, our sports director, say? That's a tough decision, but Melvin Gordon's 2014 season is still the best I've ever seen. So, I mean, the dude put up 2,500 yards without a passing game. Hmm. Because at least, for, you know, for the first half when they didn't, you know, let Joel Stavi play. Then yeah. when Joel Stavi played, it's a little bit different when, when Joel's in there, right? Well, and he's the all-time, all-time winningest quarterback. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, no, what Melvin did, I mean, that's, it's just an insane accomplishment, and he did it with not too many uh, – NFL players along that offensive line. So, yeah, man, I, Melvin is the best that I've ever seen. And then maybe that's a little bit biased just because that season. And JT putting up over 2,000 yards all three years is uh, also a rather a significant accomplishment. So I think it'll probably go JT, or I should say Melvin, JT, Monte, and then James. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. You know, I mean, you can make the case it could be Jonathan Taylor, though, because he is statistically the best running back ever in college football for a three-year span. Mm, so you got that going for say, you, too. I was going to say, he's not the best statistical running back of all time. But, yeah, three for years. Three-year sure. span, Mr. Heilbrunn. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, now. yeah. I, I was going to interrupt you, but then I let you finish, and I heard the three years, and it was all good. I appreciate that. We were just playing off each other, Zach. Hey, so mm. uh, when it comes to your highly successful podcast, the, the Camp, you and Jesse Temple tackle Wisconsin football, and you, uh, your 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 co-host Jesse, sat down with Saeed Khalif, the former um, what was his official title for Wisconsin? D- Director of personnel. Mm-hmm. Director of Player Personnel. Director of Player Personnel. He's now with Michigan State, right? So Jesse sat down with him. Can you can you tell the folks what you guys talked about on the camp and what was kind of uh, talked about in the article of Jesse? Then I got some questions for you. Well, Jesse essentially asked the questions and he got Saeed's answers and put those in the Q and A, and that was essentially it. On the podcast, he kind of goes into a little bit more detail on what he thought about exactly uh, what was said uh, by Saeed and, and kind of his take on it. So that that is what's, I think, worthwhile with podcasts. If you've already read the article, you know, you're not going to be hearing anything new in terms of that, but you're going to be hearing kind of his take on it. You know, and I think it it's a, it's a weird situation because this position, at least in Wisconsin, is so new. Saeed was like the first one to, to truly have it, to be in charge of recruiting the way that they were. He changed how Wisconsin was. So um, he's in a unique position and, um, Jesse has a, a unique perspective on it because um, he's uh, he knows Saeed pretty well. So Zach, when I was kind of reading this and then talking with some other people and you know Saeed Khalif, like it was, um, he wanted more. I don't want to say control, but he wanted more say in what was going on and he wanted more assistance. It sounded like, and it seemed like I don't know to me a guy that was kind of 
falling in a long line of other Wisconsin assistants that well, we know about Wisconsin assistants. There's not always a lot uh, the, the big-time money there like other programs in the Big Ten. It sounded like he wanted more say and then just couldn't get it, so went to Michigan State because he wanted more say. I mean, what was – What's the take on what he wanted and what reality was? I think I think at any time when they, I mean he let's be fair about it he put together the three of the best recruiting classes in Wisconsin history. I guess it, that really only goes back to the recruiting rankings era, which started in the early two thousands. But it, it was a very impressive accomplishment. I mean, getting getting Graham Mertz, getting Logan Brown, like getting these guys that are guys that Wisconsin normally does not get is impressive. He was not alone. In, the, in accomplishing that, but he, he definitely played a role in it, and he kind of changed the way that they went about things, some of the ranking systems and how he judged players. Um, and he, he thought he needed more guys. He had four full-time guys, and at Michigan State he has 12, uh, I think was the number. Yeah, that's, um, that's right. Either way, either way, should should they have given him uh, more resources? I mean, that's that's debatable. Has to, the money then probably has to come out from something else. I think, in my opinion, they probably should give given him, I guess, a little bit more resources. I don't really know how many. I don't think 12 is certainly the answer. That seems a little over the top. It seems a little over uh, yes, it does. Yeah, but... Especially coming out of a uh, thing called COVID-19, a global pandemic where everyone's getting furloughed or taking pay cuts. Yeah, but obviously this, I mean, this goes back before that. But um, but that said, I'm not going to give him free reign like Michigan State is doing. Like, that, that is to me where you get in trouble because then you don't have, then the head coach doesn't have any oversight or... Um, oversight in terms of what's going on like no tuckers to say yeah go do your thing that's just so stupid like that is such a huge part of your program you have to be involved if you're a coach you have to be heavily if you're a coach uh not maybe not heavily involved but you have to at least have some say over what's going on and, and it doesn't appear that uh mel tucker is really caring too much about what side does and i think that is where you can get into trouble and michigan state certainly knows that yeah zach halpern our sports director joining us right now and yeah 12 assistants it's like how many, co- how many cooks do you need in the kitchen? My God. That's more than they have assistant coaches that can be on the field at a time. Like, <laughs> or I should say, you know, field assistants. Like you, can have, you can have 10 full-time assistants um, on the field. You also have a whole bunch of other guys. But like, that'd be more than what you have in, in the assistant coach room, essentially. So, essentially, you know, this is, he's, what, the, the second coming of recruiting, and he needed his 12 disciples. Well, he's, he's, he is a god. Just ask Ben Kenny. Oh my God! I know Ben was like going through it yesterday. We had him on the show, and Ben was just Ben was like like thought like the world had ended with Wisconsin football that this guy had moved on. It was it was it was tough, Zach. Yeah, but if you ask the same young Ben Kenny, he thought the same when Donovan McNabb passed on. Right, but here's the thing, Zach. Uh, ben Kenny, he's we're still go- alive. We're gonna toss young Ben Kenny aside, and we're gonna focus on Zach Heilprin, the true God's gift to Wisconsin coverage, especially the camp. So, Zach, you were at practice yesterday, correct? How was practice? It was good. It was the first full practice that we got to see. They were in pads. We got to see some uh, 11 on 11 for the first time since the spring. It was good. It was good. I mean, it, look, it's, it's one day, and you don't want to overreact to certain things because um, if, I, if, if you were to overreact and just take your stay as, as uh, truth and the only truth, then Chase Wolf is your starting quarterback. He had a, <laughs> he had a, he had a fantastic day yesterday. He was, he was off. I mean, he was really, really good. Bunch of bunch of big-time throws in um, – in team drills, had a really nice uh, red zone period when they were in seven on seven. That's not really true football, but he had like four, at least four touchdowns in that <laughs> in that session. So yeah, he he had a great day, but it was one day. So so just going we'll off. Well, I like morning. Zach. I like to overreact and you know go off one thing being the word and the truth. So right, right now, what you're saying officially is Chase Wolf is the QB one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put, yeah, yeah. Put that put that on a on a banner and, and, and yeah, and, and throw it up. All right, so speaking of throwing it up, uh, highlight of the day, I was looking at your Twitter account at Zach Halpern. Uh, highlight of the day was what, uh, a yeah. pass from Chimray DK? To Chimray DK. Chimray DK. Or what did I say, from him to him? Yeah. Maybe that'd I guess be, maybe Chimray could be, be quarterback one. That would be an amazing play. <laughs> um, no, yeah, he had, it was a, it, the ball wasn't great. Uh, it it kind of hung up in the air, but he was able to go up and get it. Caesar Williams felt like he had his fingers on it, and uh, Chimray was able to steal it away. In front of Samoa Melvin, it was a really, really good play, and it's it's kind of what I think a lot of people are expecting from Jim Ray here in his second year. It was thrown kind of into the thrown to the wolves last year when Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor went down, and he was kind of ended up being him and Jack Dunn kind of ended up being the focus at uh, at wide receiver. And you don't usually have that for a true freshman, especially one that didn't have a true off season to get ready. Um, so, but yeah, no, he's 
he's caught everything, almost everything thrown his way, at least in the practice that we saw. Love it. So, Zach, let me ask you, when it comes to toting the rock, we started the segment asking, you know, who would be your RB1 when it comes to the four I listed? You could uh, Anyone listening can go vote at Zone Madison on that Twitter poll. But how about the uh, current state of the Wisconsin Badger running back? That uh, Was it Jalen Berger? Did he have 15 carries in practice and sat on the bench for the rest of the time? Or how was he looking? Exactly. We saw 15 touches, like 15 touches in general. Like he was, and he was out of his pads right away. Yeah. No, he, him and, him and, uh, like he was, he got the start, I guess you could say, in team drill. But him and Chaz Belushi, the transfer from Clemson, saw almost, uh, even reps. And I, I really do think it's a, you know, it's one practice, but at least right now it looks like a clear separation at the top with those two and and they could be the one-two punch for Wisconsin this year. Maybe you're looking for a third guy. I mean, yesterday was Isaac Grando and then probably Brady Shipper, but there's a whole bunch of talented guys behind them. I mean, Julius Davis, we saw <laughs> yesterday. Julius. So Julius Davis has been here since 2019. Uh, yesterday was the first time we've ever seen him get a carry in practice. And really? We, we, noted, we noted the time. Um, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was 10, 20, 20 at 9.39 a.m. Wow. Uh, our first, the Look first time that. we saw Look at you guys. Julius Davis. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was good. And then, and then obviously Braylon Allen's another guy. He's a little limited yesterday. He's got a bit of an ankle injury, but the dude's 6'2 and close to 240 pounds and he's quick, you know, fat. I mean, he's, it seems he's got enough speed. Um, really would like to see him in some more team drills. We didn't really get to see that yesterday, but it seems right now it's, it's a pretty clear separation at the top two and then everybody else. Love it, man. So uh, football is nearing, Zach. Uh, Mike McCarthy last week said it smells like football. When you were down there for the practice, did it truly smell like football for Wisconsin? Yeah, you could really get the smell of that grass at Camp Randall. It was really uh, – <laughs> It's always it pristine intoxic- down there. It was intoxic. It was intoxicating. Uh, those rubber pellets. Those are just yeah. Uh, they're the best, especially when you're like uh, even after you take a shower and you still get out and somehow you find rubber pellets like between your toes. You're like, what in the hell, dude? You you know this, right? Obviously, as a big soccer player yourself, I'm sure you played on a bunch of. You, that is correct. Mitts. It was the worst. I I love the turf. <laughs> Zach, uh, it was the best of times with you, my friend. Thank you for joining us. And obviously, if Ron Dane was on the list, you would have selected Ron Dane to be your RB1, yes? Yes, of course. I mean, hell, you got a dog named after him, right? Hey, he is the, he is the all-time leading rusher in, in uh, NCAA history. He is. Hey, you you tell that, uh, well, he's not so much little anymore. You tell that big Dane of yours that I said hello. Give him a, give him a good boy. Right. He's a good boy for me. He's a See you, Zach. All right, guys. See you, buddy. There he is. Follow along at Zach Halprin on Twitter. The camp. Good one of Jesse Temple and uh, talking about Sadie Cleef. HBO Hard Knocks. The debut was last night. We'll get the research department on that. The debut of HBO Hard Knocks was last night. And um, my brother, Mike, a.k.a. Thor Sanity, he started this thing called the Mike McCarthy Fan Club. He oh, is, by the way. Yeah. We need to talk about something. I mean, I just was. So, and it, it, Mike has, McCarthy. To, it has to do with Mike McCarthy. I'm, okay, I'm listening. So, you know how every single morning on Facebook you get a notification for, like, birthdays or memories? Yeah, stuff I don't care about. I had a four years ago memory that popped up. Yep. And it was one of your posts that I was tagged in. Hell yeah. And it was saying my good takes of the day, my bad takes of the day, and the bad take of the day was not joining the Mike McCarthy fan club. That was bad. On that was terrible for you, Rowdy. Then, if you click on the comments, you then oh, I have it right here. Yes, you then go down to the comments. You also posted uh, kind of a meme, but you photoshopped me and you photoshopped my face. Where's and this? And you know who I'm on? You the, know who oh, I am? there it is. You are Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw. As Mike McCarthy is holding the Vince Lombardi trophy over his head as confetti flies behind him and Ted Thompson, RIP, is behind Big Mike. And there's Rowdy. You know, who I, you know who I was hoping it was at first glance when I first looked at it? I was really hoping that that was uh, Mike or Mark Murphy and that you photoshopped my face onto Mark Murphy because that would have been hilarious. Well, you can, you can see... Mark Murphy's hand by you, Rowdy, and if that's was, why at first glance I knew he was up there in those pictures. So I was at first glance, I'm like, oh my god, did he did he put me in as Mark Murphy? That'd be hilarious. 
Yeah, let's see here. Good takes. Jonathan Villar's nickname should be the Macarena because both are Latin one-hit wonders. That you seem to that be was a good take right. from Rowdy. Uh, and Rowdy also said about Clay Matthews, quote, Clay Matthews, I'm sick of pretty boys. Give me a dude who's so ugly they call him Frankenstein. Guaranteed he'd lead the Packers in tackles. That, yeah, was, that, was, good. That, that was when Clay Matthews was fading fast and all people cared about was his hair. That was Rowdy's good takes of the day. And the bad takes was just one. On joining the Mike McCarthy fan club, Rowdy said, yeah, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> and then I said, big shout out to my guy Rowdy for filling in, spitting fire. Uh, to borrow and tweak a quote from Mike McCarthy, a highly successful NFL head coach, develop the man, then develop the broadcaster. Mike McCarthy was quoted as saying, develop the man, then develop the player. Rowdy? But yeah, first take, I thought it was Mark Murphy, and then I was going to laugh. Mark Murphy's an idiot. I I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you, Rowdy. I like you too much to Photoshop your head on Mark Murphy's dumb body. But Rowdy, HBO Hard Knocks last night. I know Ben had some terrible takes about HBO Hard Knocks when he came in. Ben, ben the mic is on. Real quick before I bring up Mike McCarthy and everything of your take on Hard Knocks last night was what? It was unbearable. What? I stopped what I stopped watching twenty minutes in. Why? Because I like I was watching it and I I was like battling to get through every minute. It was so bad. What what made it bad? Mike McCarthy's a joke. Stop. He's a highly successful NFL head coach. The entire organization is unbearable to even think about, let alone watch. Jerry Jones is also you, unbearable. That's because you're the Eagles. Dak yeah, Prescott, I have a lot of respect for, but still, like I, I, I can't watch a TV show with Mike McCarthy as a main that's character. That's because you're an Eagles fan. That's because you know the that Cowboys. That's nothing to do with the Eagles. That's because you know the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. He brought up Austin Powers to tell the team about Mojo. I love Austin Powers. I just got done watching the trilogy the but other how day. How old are we? I'm 33. Have you ever seen the Austin Powers trilogy? I have, and they're great. I, I, but to I don't talk about you. Mojo? Stop. Come on now. Stop. Last year, Mike McCarthy used a Gallagher gag. I would rather have John Gruden just just get up there and be him than bring up Austin Powers clips to teach my team how to have Mojo. Wrong. Well, I'm not a huge fan of Hard Knocks either, but it's because well, different reasoning. Wrong, here. Ben. Wrong. The reason why I'm not a huge fan of Hard Knocks is because once you've seen one episode or one season. You've seen them all because it's basically the same thing. Yeah, but it's entertaining when the people that are involved you can that are a entertaining. B you can actually like. If if you're if what's you're not gonna, to like about Mike McCarthy? Everything. Talk about, what? He's a hot. Let's just state the facts. I mean, I'm a highly successful NFL <laughs> head coach. Come on, Ben. If you're really talking about finding a personality that. He developed Aaron Rodgers. Takes it to the next notch. You have to go back to the Browns Sorry. and Bob Wiley. Getting worked out. Yes. Bob Wiley was awesome. That, <laughs> that's, a, that's a character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, listen to this. Mike McCarthy, highly successful NFL head coach. First uh, game of the season, the Hall of Fame game. He said it smells like football. And then he drops this little nugget on us, too. <laughs> drops this nugget oh, on us, too. Oh, boy. You got a, got, a, got a message in here. From who? Ebo's a blank idiot. Who? Who's this? If he really believes what he is saying about McCarthy, Who's blank this? is a fat blank. Who is worthless this? Worthless blank. Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> he who shall not be named. It's hey. not me, I'll tell you that. Hey, you go look and develop who developed Aaron Rodgers in the Mike McCarthy School of Quarterbacking. Aaron Rodgers, I have audio evidence of him crediting Mike McCarthy in a school of quarterbacking for his success. See, now you credit him for that, but if we're going to go down this road, you also have to say that Mike McCarthy's first choice in that draft when he was with the 49ers was also to work with Alex Smith. Okay. But who developed a Super Bowl winning and Hall of Fame quarterback? Man, who was coaching at Cal that year? Here. Who is it? Here you go. Listen. Flick of our wrist, how the ball moves down the line. The way you're holding the ball, the way you're braiding your left Listen. and right hand when you're throwing, from everything from the follow through, and then the way the ball looks. It's coming up. You're really breaking that thing down to a science. Uh, it really gives you a good feel of what you need to work on. From Rich Gannon to Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, this school has been one of the secrets behind McCarthy's quarterback success. And it was through those long hours and days watching film when you're thinking about being uh, on the beach somewhere in Southern California. They really have meant the most to me. This quarterback school 
hours were invaluable to my success. Aaron Rodgers literally just said, those hours in the quarterback school were invaluable to my success. The GOAT, number 12, says it himself about the Mike McCarthy school of quarterbacking. And I have to sit here and look at you two jabronis and another guy texting you who's too afraid to even use his name. And they they deny what Aaron Rodgers is saying? How'd that work out for the Cowboys last season? Dak Prescott broke his ankle. It was it was facing the other way. Yeah, he and McCarthy had a beautiful opportunity to develop Ben DiNucci. Oh, Gucci DiNucci? Yeah, how'd that work? He Listen, came in for Bill one Michaels game. talked yesterday. Are you but, guys going to sit there and deny what Aaron Rodgers said? Yes. He said it! He it's said invaluable it. to my success. He said it because, you know, he's doing the interview. He's trying to sugarcoat. So you're Bill calling, Michaels are said, you calling he, Aaron Rodgers a liar? Yes. Rowdy, are you calling Aaron Rodgers a liar? I'm going to say some people would say that Aaron Rodgers isn't successful. <laughs> wow. I mean, t- when compared to like Tom Brady, I have to go and like if you turn on any mainstream media from CNN to Fox News and everything, you got to hear this nonsense, right? I thought you guys at least would rise above nonsense. I played you unedited audio. No, from it Aaron again. It Rogers. almost sounds like it's been it's been clipped up. Yeah, that sounds edited. From Rich Gannon to Brett Favre, what is to this? Aaron sports Rogers. science. This school Watch has been one of the secrets behind McCarthy's quarterback's success. And it was through those long hours and days watching film when you thinking about being uh, on the beach somewhere in Southern California, they really have meant the most to me. Those quarterback school hours were invaluable to my success. See how it glitches at the end there and oh then it says God. my success? You guys are you guys are out of your minds. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Obviously, Brett Favre had won multiple well, three MVPs before Mike McCarthy got there and was a Super Bowl go champion. Look at, go look at Mike McCarthy. And, and a two-time go look. Super Bowl go look. competitor. You'll see when at the end of Mike Sherman, how Brett Favre. Rich Gannon was also And then in when the Mike league. McCarthy comes in, Brett Favre ascends again to the mountaintop with the Mike McCarthy School of Quarterbacking. The stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. Go look. Hey. Brett Favre. Then go look if, at who developed if we're, Aaron Rodgers. If we're going by statistics, Brett Favre had some of his best statistical, well, yeah, his best statistical season as a Minnesota Viking, and we all know that uh, Chili Brad uh, Childress is more of a defensive head coach. No, 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 we're not talking about the Vikings. Now you're using straw man arguments. You got to no. go look at the Green Bay Packers. You, you said you're look using, at how his, now, now you're how using Vikings went up, and I'm telling go you, go look best at Brett Favre's numbers. Some of the best career numbers Brett Favre has ever had was under Mike McCarthy. Yeah, and I'm I'm saying his best season was under Brad Childress. That's fine. The Childress is not in the discussion. Yeah, and the Packers would probably have three or four Super Bowls in the last 20 years if Mike McCarthy knew how to coach. Mike McCarthy has the second most Super Bowls behind Bill Belichick from 2010 to 2020. That's just your favorite stat. That's because it's a true stat. Yeah, I mean, he has the same record in NFC Championship games as Donovan McNabb. That's fine. He's got the second most Super Bowls in, from 2010 to 2020 under Bill Belichick. He's a loser. He's a habitual winner. Well, I just think it's hilarious because facts. I mean, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach. <laughs> yeah, he probably edited that one too. Rich Rich Gannon had been around for a while and was a pretty good quarterback. Obviously, we know Brett Favre. We also know that Aaron Rodgers was seen as perhaps the most talented kid in that draft, but had attitude issues, and that's why he went from number one down to Green Bay in the twenties. Okay. So it's not so like it's fault? not like they were really uh, taking some trash bag quarterback and all of a sudden made him the best quarterback in the league. Also, when we look outside of guys that he was actually around in their younger days, like the next best out of those three, and obviously those are the three big names, is like Aaron Brooks. You would start Aaron. You would have started Aaron Brooks over Aaron Rodgers. What? When he came in? No, I'm saying that's like his. You would next- take Brooks over Rodgers. That's his next best player outside of these guys that are basically Hall right, of Famers. Is, let me before is I play this, before I play this Mike McCarthy clip. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Who was head coach of the Green Bay Packers when they drafted Aaron Rodgers? That would be Mike McCarthy. Who was the head coach teaching the quarterbacks and has his own school of quarterbacking? Who was teaching Aaron Rodgers? I don't think Big who's, Mike was out there strictly teaching him how to throw. Who's teaching? Who's the head coach that oversees it all? Who's teaching Aaron Rodgers? 
I can't confirm if it was Mike McCarthy. Who's the head coach doing it. teaching Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers? Mike McCarthy. Who is the Super Bowl winning? Oh, I just said who's the coach that won the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers? Would well, be Mike McCarthy. So Mike McCarthy was the head coach when they drafted him. Mike McCarthy was the head coach that was teaching Aaron Rodgers, and then Mike McCarthy was the head coach when they won the yeah, Super Bowl. So happened, you just answered my question. What happened to like Brian Brom? What happened to like Ingle Martin? So now you what want to say that Brian like, Brom and those guys should be starting ahead of Aaron Rodgers? No, I'm saying what happened if he's so great at molding quarterbacks? What happened to the Ingle Martins how many, of the world? Well, let me ask you another question. To the, how many starting quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks play uh, at one time during a game? Hey, I didn't see Aaron Rodgers all upset. How about many quarterbacks? Mike McCarthy when he was leaving, but I did see him noticeably upset when his quarterback coach Alex Van Pelt left. No, let me ask you: When the offense is on the field, how many quarterbacks are on there? On the field when they have the ball? Uh, normally one. One. So you want Unless Brian, they're in you Wildcat, want, then there'd you want, be zero. You want Brian Brom out there with Aaron Rodgers? Or, no, or? I'm saying he was also one of the projects for McCarthy. Huh. So he should have gave up on Aaron Rodgers and then focused on Brom? He talks about straw man arguments, but then he, that's like every single one of his I arguments. mean, I'm just proving you guys wrong left and right. It's very easy. Yes, your mic's on. Do you think Bill Belichick is a quarterback whisperer? Uh, Brady's just the GOAT. You can't deny that. You just called Rodgers the GOAT. No. What? I never said Rodgers Wait, was the Wait, this is the same thing. Bill Belichick is there when they draft Tom Brady. Brady is the GOAT. When did I ever say Aaron Rodgers was the GOAT? You said the GOAT when you were introducing one of the clips about Aaron Rodgers talking about McCarthy. I don't remember that. So Five minutes ago. I'll have to go pull up the tape. But, but throughout Brady's saying. career, is Belichick the quarterback whisperer just because he was there right, when asked, one of the greatest of all time became great? The questions I asked Nelson LSU, who was the head coach when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers? Who's the head coach when no, 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 the answer my question. drafted no, 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 Tom no, 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 no. Brady? Answer my question. Is Bill Belichick the quarterback whisperer? Who was the head coach when the Packers that drafted Rodgers? That doesn't matter. Who was the head coach when the Packers drafted Rodgers? This, this isn't about Mike McCarthy being an idiot on hard knocks. All right, speaking of that, it's all started with me wanting to play this clip. <laughs> and then Rowdy went into uh, me photoshopping him on Terry Bradshaw's body as Mike McCarthy is holding the Vince Lombardi trophy. Because he got a certain game handed to him. You know why, Ben? It's because I I I live by the the Bill Belichick motto. I'd rather get rid of somebody a year early than hang on to him a year late. And I got off that Mike McCarthy bandwagon, would not join the club. And then about a year later, actually that might have been the same year, he got Well, they got rid of fired. McCarthy about three years late, so. Here's the clip. Take a listen. You're seeing the schedule. 207 days to that Super Bowl. Everything we do is about winning the world championship. Pairings, that's all matters. And once you hold that trophy up, I'm going to tell you right now, it's everything you think it is. But when you hold it up, <laughs> there, there ain't nothing else in this business. It's heavier than you think it is. Hey, Ben. Hey, and he said that while he was looking at the players and his eye was on the clock. Hey, before, before we hit the break and go, uh, or uh, hit the music and go to the break here, the Super Bowl trophy is named after who? Vince Lombardi. Do you guys know who has more wins than Vince Lombardi? Mike McCarthy. We'll be right back.